So welcome. I think everybody kind of knows me, but if you don't, my name is Kevin, and I serve on the eldership team here. Um, my wife, Heather, and I have been coming here for like 14 years, I think, probably about 14 years, I'm guessing, since we just had our 15th wedding anniversary, and we came just after that, so... <laughs> Um, so, today I'm going to be speaking um, about praying through doubt, and that's from Psalms 3, is where I'm going to be kind of speaking on, and this is continuing in our series of praying through, which is our summer series through the Psalms, and Tom introduced us into it last week, and he was praying through language, and his title was Honest to God, and he was talking about prayer life. Um, and he was mentioning that in this series, kind of our goal, I guess, or one of the goals would be that we see in the Psalms how um, life actually is. We see a reality in the Psalms that is not just about um, poetic kind of words, but we see a, a, a strong, strong reality of how we can pray through different um, things, how we can pray through prayer, one of them, how we can pray through doubt, fear, love. We can pray through all of these things. And the Psalms gives us a great um, example of how to do those things. So I'd encourage you, I think Tom had encouraged us to read through a Psalm a day, but um, yeah, really, really dive into those things. And what I'm finding, even as I'm, I was preaching on this, or I'm going to be preaching on this is I, Psalm three is terribly short, which seems great when you're going to preach on it. And then all of a sudden you're like, there's a, behind every one of those Psalms and behind everything in, in the Bible, it's, it's an alive, uh, the scriptures are alive and there's so much more behind just even the small verses and the, you know, the eight or nine verses that I'm going to be going through and how much more of a backstory there is to those verses. And that's kind of actually what I'm going to be getting into is, um, Psalm 3 is pretty short, but there is a huge backstory to those small scriptures that um, allow us to see how David is praying through doubt and how he's actually um, turning that doubt around. So, so anyways, um, I'm going to be praying through, like I said, praying through doubts. And what I wanted to kind of start us off with was I wanted to be vulnerable in the fact that we all have our, our doubts on different things, but I wanted to share a couple of doubts that I've had over the years, some that have stuck with me, some that um, I think of often, and some that are kind of here and there, and you kind of regain your confidence and trust in the Lord, and then all of a sudden they kind of, carpet gets pulled a little bit, and you kind of have to step back in and press into the Lord. But some of the doubts that I have over the years are for me, don't touch that. Sorry, the mic. Um, some of the, yeah, some of the doubts I have are doubts of my own personal abilities. And then there's some doubts that we have that are actually doubts in what the Lord can do. Okay, so that might be shocking and it might not be shocking to you, but there is times where we all are going to have doubts in what the Lord is planning and whether it's good for you. And so some of the doubts that I had um, was whether I would be a good enough father or husband. Um, a doubt that I have often is uh, whether I can lead this church or help lead this church as well as it deserves to be led. Then some of the other doubts that I have are doubts that God has the best for me 
you know? Especially when things get hard, and then they only seem to get harder and harder and harder. It's hard to see that God has the best for you, right? I have doubts that God can do or plan things better than me. A little bit of a control freak. So sometimes, instead of allowing God to, to work out his plans as he sees fit and his timing, which is perfect, I, I can do that. I can jump in and get that fixed a little bit quicker, a little bit better. And of course, it doesn't always work out that way. But you do have those doubts that sometimes God's plan is not, for some reason, not the best plan, even though you know that it is. It's just a doubt, right? So I was thinking about even what doubts are. And doubts to me are uh, the little seeds of distrust. So there's something in there, in that doubt, that is not trusting God. It's not trusting God or not trusting myself, but it's, it's distrust. You know, we maybe think that we can do something better, or maybe that um, even the excuse that we don't want to bother God with such a small, maybe prayer request or a small thing that we don't need to bother him with this. We can, we can tackle those things. And the enemy seems these things, these doubts as openings, and he'll keep poking at these things, these small doubts, until we stop trusting God. And that we start trusting or looking for answers in ourselves or in somebody else. And in wisdom, that wisdom or strength or love or something that is other than God. And those ultimately lead to pitfalls, struggles, more hardships. And if we don't return to the Lord, it can obviously go very, very bad. So um, Joni had actually kind of answered this next question even before we started this morning. But if doubts are distrust, then obviously what would be the opposite of distrust, right? I was quite happy that you said that this morning. Made me calm down already. <laughs> so some of the other things, so if we're turning uh, distrust or doubts into trust, um, there would be trust and faith, truth, wisdom. So wisdom is also another one of those. Wisdom is actually knowledge applied, right? It's not, not just knowledge, but wisdom is knowledge applied. Um, so this trust or faith in Jesus is what I'm focusing on in this, this section of scripture this morning. I hope that we can glean or learn how David takes an earth-shaking, world-turning upside-down event and chooses to trust God. He chooses to have faith that God's plans are better, than, better and wiser than his own. So that's going to kind of be what my focus on is this morning. So I'm going to, I'm going to pray and then we'll get into it. Dear Lord, we thank you this morning that you are a trustworthy God. We thank you that we have the opportunity through you to even have faith in you, that you've given us that opportunity, Lord. We thank you that you take all of our struggles and our pain and our doubts. And Lord, you, if we submit them to you, you can turn those into beautiful, beautiful things. So Lord, I pray that this morning our, our heart's desire would be that we would fully submit those things to you, that we would turn our doubts or our distrust into trust and faith in you, Jesus, not in ourselves. And Lord, I thank you that you have given us the opportunity to do that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
So a couple of things uh, when I'm thinking of faith. Um, faith is kind of, I guess it's got a couple of different ways you can describe it. I'm not uh, an English major by any means, but there's the, like the noun version of, of faith and then the verb, like the action of that. So to me, faith is a, a decision, a choice to believe and trust in God's word and promises for us. Faith is a covenant relationship, a trust that is initiated and upheld from God, but has to be received and used by us. Um, and I was thinking about that, that there is kind of two parts to, to the description of faith. There's God's part and there's our part. God's part is, he is the, well, first of all, he is the definition of trustworthy. God has initiated faith and sustains that covenant relationship with us. And that's something that we could not do or sustain. God literally holds the completion of faith in his hands. He and his word is what we have faith in, and he is what upholds those promises made through it. And we are that gap between which brings me to our part. So our part is we are to choose or not choose to believe God and his word. That is a choice we do have to make. If we choose to trust him, then that is where our action or verb faith comes in. We are actively choosing to trust him despite hardships, struggles, quietness, maybe not hearing from the Lord, disappointments, these do not change who God is, but we do have to make the choice during those times to actively have faith and trust the Lord. Giving all of ourselves to him, trusting him in his better plan for us and choosing his ways over our ways. We have to choose to walk in that gap between where faith is initiated by the Lord and where, it will, and where he will bring it to completion. This is our part in it. So, like I said, in Psalm 3, there's a lot of backstory to that particular part of Scripture. And that backstory starts in 2 Samuel, and it's chapter 13 to 17. I'm not going to go through because that's a lot of chapters to read and a lot to go through. Um, but I do recommend you obviously go through that and read some of the things that uh, that give a little bit of context to this. I'm going to just kind of give a couple of jot notes and what is in those chapters, okay? So this is uh, the story of David and Absalom, his son, okay? So Absalom, Ab Absalom killed one of David's sons out of revenge or justice for what that son, uh, his name is Amnon, he had did to his sister. So he had, uh, Absalom had actually killed one of David's sons. He had killed another one of David's sons in a, what he thought was a, a justified uh, revenge to protect his sister. Um, David allowed Absalom to return, but uh, he did not allow him to return into his presence, building a house away from the palace and staying away from uh, David. Absalom then conspires against David, so his own son conspires against him and turns men's heart towards himself. 
and against David. So Absalom then gathers men to take over Jerusalem and uh, David flees the city before Absalom returns. And this is in a span of a few years. So he allows him to return and that's in about, about two years later, then he starts to conspire against him. And then in four years, he starts to actually collect an army to take over the city. So David then flees without knowing where he's headed or what he's planning to do. And as he's fleeing, people even curse at him, throw stones at him. Okay. So this is, this is kind of the backstory on where this one Psalm's coming from. Okay. So I'm going to actually, actually, no, I'm not going to read it yet. I'm going to just talk about maybe some of the feelings that David would have felt. And this is my assumption, um, how he would have felt during that time after feel, hearing his son killing one of his other sons, after then giving him and showing him mercy to have him now conspire against him and taking over a city and now fleeing for his life. It's a lot. It's a lot to take on. So he obviously would have had some doubts. Um, so he has one of his sons kills another son. One of his doubts might have been, why would God allow this to happen in the first place? Why would God allow one of my sons to even have the thought to kill another son in revenge? Why would he seek justice outside of God or outside of David? David shows his son mercy for killing his other son, yet he still conspires against him. Now, he doesn't conspire alone either. You have to think of that. It's not just his son that conspired against him. He would have had to have other people that David trusted to conspire against him. So should he have had mercy? Should he have shown his son mercy to allow him to come back? Uh, he sees an army being built to take the city that he, ha he was anointed to be king of. Did, he, did God really want him to be king of that city? Was he really the anointed king that he was supposed to be? David flees the city and is cursed and spat on and rocks thrown at him, chased. You may be thinking, was he a bad king? Was he unjust? Did he not honor God some way? Did he go against God somehow or some way? And did he even deserve to be king in the first place? Um, he would be thinking as he flees, would he be killed as he fled for his life? Would God protect him? Was he worth protecting? These are some important questions as I think about it, as I read those, those scriptures and as I'm contemplating and thinking of the doubts that he would have as he's had a city taken over by his own son, you would, I mean, that is earth shattering. That is oh, your world being turned upside down. As you believe to be the anointed king, as you are ruling and reigning in your kingdom that you think God has given you, and now it's being taken away by your own flesh and blood. It would be incredibly hard, and I could not imagine the doubts that he's feeling or would have during that time. But I try and think of some of the doubts that we have with certain situations in our lives. And it's kind of hard to all-encompassing, give an all-encompassing, you know, 
doubt that dreads us all, but there's got to be times in our lives where we have felt like people, either friends, coworkers, family, have come against us. And you've had doubts whether you're good enough or whether God has placed you in those relationships for a purpose and what those purposes are. You have doubts that you're able to get through the next day, the next week, the next year. Well, why isn't God sparing me from these hardships? These are pretty normal doubts. And I would say that I've definitely felt them before. And I would say that doubt in in and of itself is not the enemy. Allowing that seed to fester and grow is where we need to be weary of, cautious. Um, I can assure you that God, uh, that first of all, God did not promise us an easy, no trouble life. In fact, he tells us the opposite in John 33, which I just wanted to read that so I don't screw that up. And Tom had preached on this actually, it was probably about a year ago, I think, but um, I have said these things to you that in me, uh, that in me, you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So knowing all these things, knowing the possible doubts, struggles that he would be going through at this time. Now I want to read Psalm three. So in Psalm three, O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Reading it the first time and reading it after having that backstory changed, changes every verse. I, I would find it next to impossible to write something like that after being through what he's been through. And it's easy to look back at David's life and say, he has been through a lot. He has been through a lot of ups and downs. And it's just another thing that he had faith for. But even David would have to choose to have faith. He would have to make the choice to trust the Lord and that his plans are better. Because getting kicked out of your city that you were told to be anointed the king over, that's got to give you some doubt. And it has to be an active choice to trust in the Lord and have faith that his plan is better.
um, just going through some of the verses, as I was reading them a second time, there were certain things that just kind of pulled, pulled out to me. So I'm just going to go through, it's pretty short, so I'm just going to go through some of these verses and just kind of see what I kind of gleaned out of these things. So verses 1 and 2, where it says, O Lord, how many foes, many are rising against me, many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. David presents his woes, his struggles, his doubts, his fears, his discouragement to God. He doesn't shy away from them, which I think we need to take note. We do not need to shy away from our discouragements or our struggles or doubts from the Lord. We need to actually lean into them and present them to him, submit them to him. He already knows them. It's not a secret to him. But there is something in the relationship where we actually allow him to receive those things from us. So we're handing these things over to him, not just holding on to them to try and figure it out ourselves. Uh, verses 3 and 4. But you, O Lord, the lifter of my head, I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. David chooses God. He declares God's goodness, his faithfulness, his trustworthiness. Verses 5 and 6, I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Thankfulness for keeping him safe. So we're talking about him fleeing. He's just being thankful the fact that he went to sleep and actually woke up the next day. He's starting with the practical. He's thank thankful for God sustaining him. It's the, in his practical needs and his spiritual needs, confirming God's, God's goodness. In verse 7, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheeks. Uh, you break the teeth of the wicked. David cries out to God with his requests, his needs, what he desires. In verses 8, Salvation, belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. His, uh, David's ultimate submission to God's will, trusting in faith that God's plans are best and he is to be glorified. Just in, in some of the closing here, it's not very long. I'm not, I don't do long preaches. <laughs> Um, but this, this struck many chords with me about how, how do I see the doubts that actually are in my life? How do I, how do I address them? How am I choosing to see and trust in God's plans for me in my life um, when I come up against these, these struggles or these, these doubts that I have? And it also encouraged me that somebody like when I see David as a figure in the Bible, I think of a, a big, mighty man of God, uh, a man after God's own heart, and how even he would have some severe doubts and struggles through all of this stuff, but how he actively chooses to trust in the Lord and his plans for him. So for us in the practical, that's what I would I want to encourage us to go back to the Lord. And it sounds easy, but it's not. And that's okay to struggle through it. 
Um, we all, like I say, we all have, are going to have our own doubts. And I would encourage you to hand them over to the Lord. But also, let's encourage one another. Let's pray for one another. If you have a doubt or a fear or something that you need prayer for or need somebody to walk with you through it, let's share it with each other. Let's hand it over to leadership if you need to or somebody in community groups. We're going to start those up again in the fall. Um, but I encourage us to lift one another up, point us back to Jesus, encourage and love each other well.